Good morning, church, and happy new year. I uh, don't want you to fall asleep on me today, um, so I won't give you much time to do that, I hope. Um, Bruce, good job. You knocked it out of the ballpark. Um, so true words. You know, we have uh, sometimes nightmares when we're in high school of being in the hall room or in the hall without any clothes on in your underwear. Have you ever had those, those nightmares? Maybe I was the only one that I had those nightmares, but being unprepared. Um, I sometimes, you know, as I've gotten older, I don't, I don't dream about being somewhere in my underwear, but I dream about being on stage without my sermon, like this piece of paper, and what do I do then? I don't have anything to say. Well, I have lots of things to say, but they aren't probably what the Lord wants me to say because I haven't meditated on it. And I have those dreams. Um, going into those things that uh, we are expected to perform or to do in makes us anxious sometimes. And sometimes we can be excited about those things. You know, going into a new year can be exciting. It can. Um, there can be new opportunities for... Uh, learning things in a new year, uh, new opportunities for growth, for uh, doing fun and exciting things. It can be like an adventure. Uh, for example, maybe you are graduating high school, and now you are excited to uh, get out and start your first job, or to uh, go to college and hang out with the college kids in the college life, or to learn new things. Uh, maybe you're excited in this coming year to get a new job, a different one that you've been working for years. It's time to advance, time to make that step and change your occupation. Uh, maybe marriage is in your future this year. I'm not trying to encourage that by any means, but maybe that's the case. And that can be an exciting and adventurous thing. Uh, maybe this year's the year that you get that surgery. Maybe you've wanted surgery, like knee surgery, and, and this year you're going to finally go and get it so that you can walk places and do things, um, and uh, it will open up new opportunities. And then again, maybe uh, this year you plan to be the same. Like this past year was good, and you're like, okay, no new changes this year. Let's just uh, stick with what is good, and we know that's going to be good, and so you're excited about that. But you know, on the same hand, as I said, going into a new year can be very intimidating, even scary. It can be like going into battle and cause anxiety. For example, maybe you're graduating high school and you have to go out into the world now and get a job and do the, uh, what do they call it now, adulting thing, the act of being an adult. Maybe uh, you're going to get a new job, a different one than you've had forever, and you're not sure if you can do that job sufficiently, if you can meet the requirements. Maybe it's marriage. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, it can be scary, right? <laughs> it's, it's good. It's good, marriages. I mean, it should be good. That's the way God made it. Um, maybe it's surgery. Maybe... You have to have a surgery, and oh, you've heard other stories, and you're, you're just a little worried about it. You know, maybe everything is going to be the same, the same, and it's boring, and nothing changes, and you're worried about that. As you can see, sometimes it's, it's not the things that happen to us or the things that we make happen, but it's the perspective we have 
on them. But regardless of what you are facing in this new year, there is one thing that will help, and that's being in the presence of God. Being in the Lord's presence will help you. Now, how do we get in the presence of God? How do we do that? And what exactly does being in the presence of the Lord mean? Well, before Jesus came to us, being in the presence of the Lord wasn't necessarily easy. Now, let me tell you about that. Uh, The angel of the Lord in the old days, in the Old Testament before Jesus, he visited a few people. You can read about it when you read about uh, Moses. And if you remember the story, um, Moses seen this bush, and it was burning, and he approached the bush because bushes don't usually just burn for a long, long time and they just keep burning, and it wouldn't burn up. And so he came to it, and he said, what's going on? And the bush spoke to him, Moses, Moses, the Lord was in the bush. And when Moses realized that uh, God was in that thing, um, he covered his face. Take off your sandals, Moses, the bush said. The Lord instructed him and he covered his face because this thing that was in the bush was powerful. The Lord was powerful and he was in the presence of the Lord right then. Here's what Balaam did. You remember Balaam in the old days when he was uh, approached by the, the angel of the Lord? He was doing something he shouldn't have been doing. He's going a way in which the Lord hadn't told him to go, riding his donkey. And then all of a sudden, the spirit of the Lord, the, the angel of the Lord was in front of him, and his donkey recognized it. Uh, Balaam didn't. That says something about Balaam's intellect at that point, I think, or at least his faith, his ability to see or listen to God. And when Balaam seen the, the Lord in the form of that angel with his sword drawn, Balaam fell to the ground with his face on the ground. And he bowed there in the presence of the angel of the Lord. Or consider Jacob. Jacob, this is one of the greatest stories that we like to, like to hear in, in Sunday school. Um, so at, at this point in Jacob's life, he's in the middle of dealing with um, his, his brother, who is like an enemy at this point. His brother and him are not getting along uh, with good reason, considering their history. And um, he's, he's running from his brother a little bit because his brother has plans to attack him. And um, one day... Um, Jacob finds himself in camp alone. Nobody else in camp with him. He has this enemy out there, and he's alone. And then the scripture says, a man comes into camp. And Jacob, at first, uh, the scripture doesn't say that he recognizes the man. He doesn't know who the man is, and this man comes to him and starts wrestling with him. You know the story. And so Jacob wrestles and wrestles all night long with this man, And we must understand that Jacob had an idea that this man was something more than just a man, wrestled and wrestled and wrestled. And, you know, in uh, our VBS classes, um, we hear the the phrases sometimes that that, uh, Jacob wrestled with God and won. And I would like to to discuss that a little bit. Uh, That we can wrestle with God and win. 
is not something we should carry around with us as a theory of life. I don't think wrestling with God and winning is something that will give any of us an advantage. Now, I, I wrestle with my son sometimes, and maybe you fathers uh, or mothers wrestle with your children sometimes, and, and you will be uh, gentle with them. They'll be all out, 100%, trying to, you know, punching you and grabbing you and choking you out, and you don't put all your muscle into it because you know. You know. Well, um, and then there comes a point where you're tired of wrestling. You know, you've wrestled for... Uh, three hours, or okay, maybe five minutes, and you're done with it. You're done with it, and so, you know, you, okay, that's enough, it's enough, it's enough, Flint, and then, and then maybe you have to, a little pop on the rear end to show them, hey, I'm serious, it's done. This is the situation when the Lord in the man that came into camp is wrestling with Jacob. All of a sudden, he realizes Jacob. He wants something. He isn't going to give up. And I think this is what God's after in Jacob. And so what's God do? He touches Jacob in the hip. Like the most difficult thing that you could break or, or wrench out of socket on a man, the hip, and he just touches it. Wrestling match over. And he changes his name. Jacob, from now on, you're going to be Israel. And you have been wrestling with me all night long. And it's as if God gives him that blessing because he realizes that Jacob has won in one sense of a matter. Jacob wanted God and he wanted that blessing. And that's what God was there for, to see what Jacob was willing to do. And Jacob has won this, this match in the sense that now he has God's blessing. And there on after, Jacob is walking around like this because he was in this match with God. He was in the presence of the Lord. And now he limps. Or, in another situation, uh, consider the priests back in the old days. If a priest... If you were a priest, then um, it is possible that you would be selected to go into the Holy of Holies. That's the back part of the tabernacle, the place that was separated by a heavy curtain, the place that, where the presence of the Lord was resignating, was dwelling, the presence of the Lord there, and only... The priest selected could go there on one day of the year. If you were that priest, then you could be in the presence of the Lord. So in the old days, either God came to you because he had a very specific message to give you, like Moses, or you were manhandled. Or we could say you were God-handled by God because you weren't going the right way or you needed a lesson. That's pretty much it. Now take note in these cases that being in the Lord's presence was high risk. It was scary. Uh, the Lord told Moses, is in Exodus chapter 33, uh, verse 20, he told Moses, no one can see me face to face and live. 
No one can see God face to face and survive it. So the priest that was to go into the most holy place in the tabernacle, like we discussed, had to go through all kinds of ritual cleansings, had to prepare himself for this most important day of the year to make sure that he was perfect and prepared to go in the presence of the Lord. Now, I wonder what the priest was thinking at that point in time. What was going through his mind? Man, I sure hope that I did everything right. I sure hope that there's not uh, an impure spot on the back of my robe where I got a little bit dirty. I sure hope that I prayed my prayers correctly every word, every pronunciation. I hope I did it right because if I go in there and not everything is correct, well then, no one sees the Lord face to face and survives and it won't be good. There had to be some anxiety in that situation when the priest approached the holy of holies. Now maybe you have some anxiety about going into this new year. And I said that being in the presence of God is, is the absolute thing that will help. And then I've read a bunch of stories and talked about how in the Old Testament being in the presence of God also causes anxiety and can be scary or worse. But on this first day of 2023, I'm going to read some verses out of Hebrews chapter 10. And I think it will put into perspective what us being in the presence of the Lord is and how it will help, how it's different for us since Jesus came. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 through 25. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new life, a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him for our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So let's re do some do some studying of this scripture. And I think that if we gather everything that the scripture uh, has to say together, we can create one statement, and it's packed full of things. And and the first part of that statement is that we are going to face whatever is coming this year with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. With confidence. Because of the blood of Jesus. Did you see what verse 19 and 20 said? And so, dear brothers, says we can boldly enter heaven's most high, most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into that most holy place. Uh, by the way, to you and I, to us, that most holy place, in the scripture there, is the new life in the spirit that the covenant, the new covenant provides. 
the new covenant of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross for us, that paid for our sins, offers us new life in the Spirit. New life in the body of Christ who lives with us. This verse says that we can boldly enter this place. Not with anxiety, but boldly. You know, the curtain is no longer a barrier. I've read that this curtain that uh, used to hang in between the, the most holy place and the other part of the tabernacle was, was huge. It was big and it was heavy and, and they hired hundreds and hundreds of people to work on this very curtain. It was thick and they hung it up and it was strong. It was a serious barrier to keep people from going in there because it's a dangerous place if you weren't perfectly prepared for that. And you know what Jesus did to that curtain? This verse says that he opened it, that he took it apart, gave you a way to go right through it. Remember when Jesus died on the cross? At that moment, at that hour, the scripture says that that curtain was ripped in half. That curtain symbolizing the barrier between you and Christ. You and that new life that Jesus offers. Jesus ripped that curtain in half. No more barrier. What this verse is saying is that we can boldly take on anything because we know where we are going. Heaven is in our mind and any struggle that we have on earth is small compared to the joy of heaven. With heaven in mind, we can face any obstacle, any challenge that comes to us in 2023. And because we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, helping us out, working with us, praying for us on our behalf, we can face whatever this year brings. So we are going to face whatever is coming this year with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. Let's add to that. Because of the blood of Jesus, by drawing near to God with sincere heart. Near to God with sincere hearts. The verses uh, 21 and 22 say, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God where, with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Sincere hearts. With sincere hearts, we can go right into the presence of God. Again, with confidence because we are prepared for it by the blood of Jesus. Remember the priest? He had to do everything to prepare, make sure he was perfect. What takes that place now? It's the blood of Jesus. But our hearts, our hearts need to be sincere. Uh, 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to Him, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Uh, we can't claim we are sinless. I don't think any of us would anyway. It doesn't take very long for us to realize, man, there's, there's something wrong with me. There's something ain't right. I keep making bad decisions and, and messing up. We can't claim that we are sinless. We'll fool ourselves. 
But if we confess our sin to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us of those and cleanse us. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5 says, Examine yourselves to see if your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. Jesus is among us. That's why he came at Christmas time to start the process of being among us, where he lived here and then he uh, ascended back to heaven after his resurrection and then his Holy Spirit comes to be with us. And we need not have any guilt if we've confessed our sins. If we confess them, then that part's done. There's no reason to be drugged down with guilt. No more anxiety about being perfect. Just as the verse says, we have been washed with pure water. Hey, do you know what, you know what Jesus tells us uh, to do uh, to show um, an example of this, being washed with, with pure water like the Scripture says? It's baptism. To be baptized. Uh, and so I want to cur- encourage you, if you haven't been baptized ever, um, then uh, this is the year to do it. And maybe you've been a believer for, for a long time, for years and years, and, and you're, you've put your faith 100% in Jesus, and you just haven't ever um, done the baptism thing. And, and Jesus encourages us to do it out of an act of obedience to show that we have been cleansed with this pure water that is Jesus. And I encourage you to do that. Um, and don't feel ashamed of people think, wow, he's never been baptized. Don't, don't feel that way at all. The Lord wants us to take steps closer to him, and he wants us to be excited and motivating each other towards that. So uh, by all means, if the Lord's putting it on your heart to be baptized, then uh, prayerfully consider that. And, and uh, you can talk with our elders or me about it, and we can, we can make that happen. So we are going to face this year with confidence because of the blood of Jesus by drawing near to God with sincere hearts while we hold tight to hope because God can be trusted. While we hold tight to to hope because God can be trusted. Verse 23 said, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. He can be trusted. We have this hope of eternal life. We have it. Hold on to it. Don't let that go. Think about it every moment. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to, the, to God for his glory. One of the songs we sang today said, Amen. You don't want to hear me sing it, but... but uh, it's, it's yes, amen, yes, it's true that uh, Christ, everything was fulfilled in him that God has promised. Yes, it's true, he ascends to God for his glory for us. We just celebrated Christmas. Uh, what a, a super great thing to celebrate, super awesome Thing that happened that we celebrate on Christmas, and that is 
That's it, folks. That is God coming to us because he promised he would. That's fulfillment of a promise. I will send a Savior, God says. I will send you my son, and he will be your Messiah, your Savior. He will save you from your sins. God can be trusted. We can hold tight to his to our hope because of that. So we're going to face this year with confidence because of the blood of Jesus. By drawing near to God with sincere hearts, while we hold tight to hope because God can be trusted, and we are going to motivate each other. <clears throat> motivate each other. Verse 24 and 25 says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So we motivate each other, motivate each other to acts of love. Uh, this is pushing past the politeness. Let's, let's share acts of love. Um, we, we typically are, are um, good Christians. The scripture actually says none are good. But that's what we always tell each other. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, how's, uh, how's life been? Good. <clears throat> so let's push past this. Push past this and really get involved in each other's lives. When you are asked, how are you doing by brother's sister, don't just say good. You know, how are we going to support each other? How are we going to be the body of Christ with each other when we don't even know how each other is doing? We have no idea uh, how everybody is, because everybody is good. How are we going to help each other out? We've got to push past that and get involved in uh, the lives of our brothers and sisters. Um, and we're going to show acts of love to each other because we know that we need love. We need brotherly love. We need sisterly love. And um, we're going to motivate each other by uh, giving these acts of love. And also good works. We're going to motivate each other, <coughs> motivate each other with good works. Uh, this is serving each other and the community. Um, this kind of goes along with our, our vision statement, our mission statement, is to, to share hope with our community through love and service. This is the, um, the good works that we're talking about. Um, James, you know, uh, we, we talk about our um, faith, and, and faith is what we need to be saved. Our salvation is is by faith through grace that Jesus has for us. We don't have to work for our salvation, but works is part of our living in Christ. Part of our, our uh, spiritual journey with Jesus is, is being like him, and Jesus did things, and Jesus uh, helped folks out, and, and there was, there's a lot about the life of Jesus that we could be like, <clears throat> um, all of it we need to be like, but James says, Brother James, let me, let me just read it to you. I think chapter 2, uh, verse 17, James says, So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. 
Now some may argue, some people have faith, and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Good works. This is, this is important as, uh, as followers of Jesus, um, that we uh, share hope, that we do these good works to, to um, love each other, and we're going to motivate each other to do these things. And then um, the other thing that we motivate each other to do is to meet together. Um, the, the last verse, that verse in uh, Hebrews chapter 10 uh, to meet together, not just on Sundays, but uh, maybe at, at Bible studies uh, throughout the week, or or maybe in each other's home, uh, just to hang out, to live life together. Maybe in public. A lot of us, a lot of us, um, fellowship only on on Sundays, Sunday mornings, and in in the aisles of Walmart. We fellowship there because that's when we see our Christian brothers and sisters. Um, just by chance, um, and that that's okay. But let's be intentional about meeting together. Let's be a family. A family. The scripture says that the body of Christ, uh, the church, His church, is to be a family, and each one of us brings their part to the the body. And if we're not working together, acting together, living together, then it's hard to be the body of Christ. Be a family, and be the kind of family that others want to be a part of. So when others in our community see us acting like a family, like the body of Christ, they would say, that, that's something I want to be part of. And they can't see us acting like that if we're only doing it on Sunday mornings, perhaps. So we need to motivate each other to meet together. And one last thing that this verse outlines that we need to motivate each other towards, and that's to encourage one another. Encouragement. Is affirmation and recognition. They, uh, Dr. Uh, James Dobson t- tells us that uh, one of the best things you can do for your kids when they're young or when they're any age really is, is to give them um, words of affirmation to tell them when they're <clears throat> doing well. Always be telling them, man, good job, you know. Uh, job well done. I like the way you did this. To encourage them. To encourage them to, to step up and be the person that God has created them to be. Uh, you know, support. Get, give each other support emotionally. And and uh, not only emotionally, but materially as well. Um, some, some folks need a lot of emotional support. God makes us all different. And so, some people get in this situation where they need material uh, support. And, and God calls us to be the church there. Um, we need to encourage one another uh, by sharing our testimonies. Um, you know, our, our testimony should be a story of victory. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was a person who was failing in life. And now, uh, look at where I'm at. Look at who I am now. A victory. So we share our testimony of victory. And uh, a lot of people are going to say, man, I struggle with that same thing. Sometimes we think we're we're the only ones that struggle with the things we we struggle with. That's probably because you've never shared it with somebody else. We all struggle. So, uh, 
We're going to face this year with confidence because of the blood of Jesus by drawing near to God with sincere hearts while holding tight to hope because God can be trusted and we're going to motivate each other to acts of love, good works, by meeting together and encouraging one another. So whatever you are facing in this new year, it is an opportunity. It's an opportunity. I want to I share three words. They're from my wife. I'm giving my wife credit for this because uh, she's, she's way smarter than me. And um, she's three words. Whatever you are facing this year, it is an opportunity to grow, glow, and go. Grow. How are we going to grow? Mature in your faith. This is the maturing. This is growing in your Christian walk. Uh, I think it's of David, man. I love David in the Old Testament. One of my favorite guys. Uh, he's, he, he's, he's a man's man. And um, he starts out battling lions and bears, protecting the sheep. Uh, he's not a warrior at that point. He's only battling animals, wild animals. But you know what? God has plans for David. And we can see that when we read through his whole story. And God turned that uh, shepherd who was battling lions and bears into a warrior who's battling Goliath. And he's not only battling Goliath, but he's winning. He won the victory against Goliath because that's what the Lord wanted to use him for. He grew in his faith. He grew in his, uh, his uh, plan that God had for him. Grow. And glow, glorify God. Uh, think about Joseph, man. Jo- you remember Joseph? His, his brothers hated him. He had 11, 11 brothers. And uh, he had this dream and said, uh, hey, I'm going to rule over you guys. And he wasn't being pompous when he said it, I don't think. It's just the dream God gave him. His brothers hated him, and they sold him into slavery. They was going to kill him. They sold him into slavery. And so there was one thing that... Um, he, you know, he could have been, oh, wow, poor me. I got threw into a pit, and then they pulled me out and sold me. And I could just, I, you know, everything is bad has happened to me. And then he got put on, in, under uh, Potiphar's care, and Potiphar um, had him working in his home. And, and uh, you know, Joseph was, was uh, like one of the highest officials there, and he had a great situation again. And then Potiphar's wife comes along, and Joseph's back down in the dungeon again in jail. And he could have thought, oh, man, again, a bad deal. Well, you know what? All of that, all of that that Joseph went through led to saving people from the famine. God sent Joseph back to his land so that he could save the folks from the famine. What his brothers did to him and what he experienced through Potiphar's wife, because he maintained faithful to the Lord, they meant evil, but God used it for good. Because Joseph was faithful to the Lord, God used him for great good. Glow, glorify God. Joseph was glorifying God through all of his struggles. And then the last one, go. Live on mission. 
be mission-minded. Everything you do, let it be a mission. Your day is a mission. You have a point that God wants you to do that day. Uh, Think about Moses. Uh, God told Moses, hey, go and talk to the Pharaoh. Moses like, I don't know how to talk in public. I don't don't do well communicating. God said, go do it anyway. And uh, so Moses went. He went and he approached Pharaoh even though he didn't feel like he could do any good. Even though he didn't have any boldness walking into that situation, um, he did it. He took the step and one step after another and there he was and he talked to Pharaoh and he freed the Israelites. He freed them because he went. So go. God tells us to go. Grow, glow, and go. We can have confidence, folks. Confidence. We can have sincere hearts. We can trust God. And we can motivate each other. We can motivate entire nations. Jesus is our ultimate example of how to face anything. Jesus is the last example I'm going to use today. He's our ultimate example of how to face anything. He went to the cross. How hard that must have been. He didn't have to go for himself. He went to the cross for us. And we can draw near to him. He confidently and boldly went there. We can trust God. Jesus trusted God. Jesus, he could have thought, well, maybe, maybe this is going to be the end of me. But he trusted God. This is the right thing to do. This is the right thing. He was motivated by the ultimate act of love and service. And that act of love and service was to us. That was his motivation. Jesus is our example. Today, I ask you to take seriously your faith this new year. To be on mission and not to just live every day as it comes to you, but live every day as you come to it in the name of Jesus and the purpose that he has built you for. Will you pray with me now? Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for the cross, and we are so grateful for the resurrection, Lord. We look forward to living with you eternally, God. Lord, we are not able to get there, get to heaven on our own. That is impossible, God. We are imperfect, but our Savior, Lord Jesus, your Son is perfect, and he gave his life for us. What a perfect plan that was. For that we are grateful. And we can boldly go into this new year because of the Thank you, Jesus.